What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Today is, I mean, this week, I guess you could say today, this week, it's just me, just kind of getting everybody to a quick update on my thoughts of what happened this past weekend. Y'all know we got to stay uh, consistent. So without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne, pop it. It's my house, come on, turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door when the night begins. Cause we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you been. Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in. Well, the first game I kind of want to go ahead and discuss is going to be the Alabama-Florida game. I think that was a 3.30 game on CBS. It almost – I almost didn't even catch the game because I just wasn't thinking about it. And then I turned into CBS around 3.20 just to see which the game of the week was. I was like, oh, Alabama. Uh, Alabama got the win in this game against the Florida Gators with the final score of 31-29. to Alabama went up big at first. They're going up 21-3 at the, at the first quarter, at the end of the first quarter. And I was kind of about to go ahead and turn the channel because I was thinking like, well, Bama did what Bama does. But Florida kind of steamrolled in that second half, scoring 20 points uh, to make it tight. We just weren't able to get the job done. The game was at Florida. My thoughts on the game, well, first of all, let me give you some stats. So Bryce Young went 22 for 35 for 233 yards and three touchdowns. James, I want to really, and I know I keep talking about Jameson Williams every week. Number one, the wide receiver that came to Alabama from Ohio State, he made an absolute great move leaving Ohio State. And the reason I say that is because between the two guys, that, between Garrett Wilson and what's that, Chris Olave at Ohio State, he was between those two guys and whoever else on their receiving core, he wasn't really seeing that much play time. I think he might have like two maybe three touchdowns all last season. And he just wasn't their guys because those other two guys, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, are first round guys. And so it's not even the fact that he's bad. It's just that I think they were kind of demanding the spots. But I want to say in this game, on that first drive, he probably had like, I want to say it was like at least five targets. Obviously he didn't catch all of them, but he had, because some weren't the best throws either, but great move for him. He went straight in Alabama, took the starting role from day one and has been able to run with it. Uh, John Mechie just had six catches for 42 yards. Um, Allen, the Alabama running game, their leading rusher was Brian Robinson Jr. Who had 14 carries for 75 yards. I'm sure one touchdown. I'm sure he was the one, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of these running backs from Alabama. It might have been Jace, which was number 21. He had the touchdown. The biggest problem that Florida was having with those Alabama running backs was Bryce Young was hitting the checkdowns, which were the running backs, and they just couldn't, and the Florida defenders just couldn't tackle in open space. Now, we, now to talk about Florida, their starting quarterback is Emory Jones. Um, he's one of Quincy Avery's quarterback guys. So I've been kind of following him a little while. He went 17 for 27 for 181 yards. I think the biggest problem at Florida is they really like quarterbacks that can kind of air it out. And that's not, from what I've seen, that doesn't appear to be Emory Jones game. He's more like an option quarterback. And I know that's, that's the whole thing about like calling black quarterbacks, oh, they can just run the ball. But just from what you see when watching them, or at least what I saw like the majority, like in that first half, 
it was like, it seems like with them, they're going to run that option and try to pit uh, and maybe pitch it to the back or maybe he keeps it. And I know that can be frustrating for Florida fans because they want to see the ball being aired out downfield to their receivers, a lot of talented receivers they've been following and recruiting. So, like I said, Florida, I think Florida made a big comeback in that second half, scoring, what is that, 13 points in the third quarter alone. But uh, just wasn't able to get the job done. Very interested to see how they continue to go through the season. Really excited to see if they're going to be able to, because it's really, to be honest with you, in the East, I think it's a Florida-Georgia fight, as it always is, uh, to see who will represent the SEC East in the SEC Championship game and to see if they'll be able to knock uh, Georgia off just for that one game. But I don't really think it's very close in the West, um, in the SEC as a total. The only team that I see that might be able to knock off Alabama coming out of SEC West is going to be Ole Miss and Matt Corral. So that is definitely something to watch for. Next week, Alabama has Southern Miss, so I'm sure they'll continue to rock and roll. I don't, I don't see any type of upsets happening right there. But we're going to keep it moving. We're going to go clear really quickly to the ACC. Had to talk about Clemson just barely edging Georgia Tech, final score of 14 to 8. Tiger fans are getting restless as well. Tiger fans are getting very restless. And it's crazy because it's like three weeks into the season. But DJ went 18, their quarterback for Clemson, DJ Uyunglele, went 18 for 25 for 126 yards. Their freshman running back, which is one of the top running backs coming out of the country last year, Will Shipley, read the running backs groups with 21 carries for 88 yards and two touchdowns. The starting quarterback for Georgia Tech is another one of Quincy Avery guys. So I've been watching him progress, like just social media and different things that Quincy Avery has put online because he's always kind of sport, uh, putting his quarterback out to the masses. But he went 20 for 33 for 203 yards. But my point that I want to say about this Clemson game is, and Clemson ended up stopping Georgia Tech on fourth and goal after Georgia Tech had recovered an onside kick so this game really got real close is that but the thing I wanted to say uh, kind of discuss is it's the fact that Clemson fans have gotten so used to extraordinary quarterback play from extraordinary talents such as Deshaun I mean even you could say Taj Boyd after like year two I want to say starting in year two uh, for when he was a starter Deshaun Watson Trevor Lawrence like, so they're just used to dominant quarterback play. And then so DJ struggles early on. It's kind of like, ooh, what is this? And Clemson fans are not happy about it. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think that quarterback room is as deep at Clemson that has been in years past because just due to a lot of guys transferring, guys simply they're not going to start and they're not sitting around forever waiting to see if DJ is going to have a bad year. So uh, the one of the best things I will say that happened to DJ is that that Notre Dame game last year when he tore it up. Because when he did that, it let everybody, it made everybody think, okay, he's going to just be another one of these Clemson great quarterbacks. And that's how you got that deal with Bojangles and uh, Dr. Pepper. But there is absolutely nothing worse than not having great quarterback play. And then you turn it like what it goes to commercial break and he's on the commercials. Cause it's like, okay, and y'all know how old, old college football fans are. Oh, you're doing commercial. You need to be more focused on uh, playing the game, but I'm sure they'll get that together. They're actually starting to get at Tony Elliott, the Clemson offensive coordinator as well. But uh, Clemson's got to get that together. They play NC State at NC State next week, which is usually another kind of Achilles heel for Clemson. And so we'll see what they'll if they'll be able to kind of get it rolling as the offense. I think one of their offensive linemen even came out in the media, I think this morning, so it'd be Monday morning, and was just kind of like, yo, we, like, we're not used to this. We got to get this thing going. So the players are frustrated as well. And uh, definitely got to get it going. They're so lucky they played ACC, though. Like, if they play in SEC West, it'd be problems. But just do this, the ACC, 
And the fact that probably more schools in the ACC have a lot of three stars, maybe a couple four star guys. Meanwhile, Clemson, their practice squad is the three star guys, the four stars and five stars are all, all over the field. So in a lot of cases, they can just kind of out talent teams. So definitely something to watch there in Clemson, South Carolina. Now to this South Burn, go back to the SEC, to the South Carolina, Georgia game, which was at Samford Field uh, in Athens, Georgia. Georgia did, in fact, by the way, Georgia's number two team in the country right now. So for, for what that's worth, but they did end up taking the win with the final score of 40 to 13 over the Gamecocks. Storyline was pretty okay. Well, it's actually something that a little bit different happened here. Zed Nolan did start the game, but his hand got stepped on. And so uh, they brought Luke Dottie out, who had only took like last snaps on Thursday at practice. So I didn't really know what to expect out of him. Now, he was a former, I want to say a four-star. He might have been a low five-star, but four-star quarterback. So you were in good hands. But um, the story of the night really was that that Georgia defense, that Georgia front seven just got after it. They were all over the place, as you kind of expected. South Carolina offensive line had been struggling kind of going into this game. And so when we know, we all know that Georgia's defensive line is absolutely like they're strong. This one of the strongest units on their team. So they, they did what they were supposed to do. Carolina, I would tell you that the Carolina running back struggled. Kevin Harris has 16 carries for 31 yards. Saquandre White had five carries for 31 yards and Marshawn Lloyd had five carries for 19 yards. And now granted this was Georgia, but I think a lot of people thought that that South Carolina run game with that three-headed attack was going to be probably the strongest unit on the team, and that has not been the case thus far. But, hey, but Josh Van had a big day. Three, that almost don't even seem right. He had 120. I'm just going to say me yards because that reception don't even look right from the stats. But he had 128 yards and one touchdown. He has proven to be the bright spot. Usually every year Carolina has a bright spot at receiver, whether you go Brian Edwards or the, the Shy Smith, or this year is Josh Van. It seems like he's just kind of been waiting on those guys to get out the way, and he is definitely uh, taking advantage of his opportunity. It was interesting to see Will Muschamp out there as the defensive analyst for Georgia, and he talked to some of the players after the game. You even heard him tell one of the South Carolina players, hey, tell your mom, I said, hey. And you know that, like, he had deep relationships with these guys because he recruited them. He was the one who gave them a scholarship on behalf of the University of South Carolina. Now, the Georgia quarterback, JT Daniels, 23 for 31 with uh, 303 yards and three touchdowns with just one interception. Stetson Bennett got in for just a couple plays. No 100-yard rusher for Georgia. Samir White at 51 yards on the ground, James Cook at 51 yards, and Kendall Milton at uh, 66 yards on the ground. And uh, I was able to see, I did see Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver, the one I talked about earlier, uh, number seven for Georgia, did get his one touchdown there. The commentators were saying that the, the way to attack South Carolina was really could have been through there. They felt like that, um, they felt that JT Daniels could have aired it out a little bit more, but like I said, with the final score being 40 to 13, they did what it was supposed to do. Georgia continues to cruise um, right now. I guess it's just week three, so it's really not as big of a deal right now. Like I, I keep saying, and I said this earlier in this podcast, I know already, but it, it's going to be if they can beat Florida. I think they'll take care of business against everybody else. I'm not sure they play Bama in the regular season. Let me check on that. Um, they play Auburn. Arkansas has been playing really well, but now they actually do not play Alabama this season. So they can take care of business against Florida on October 30th. That game's usually in Jacksonville. I think it'll be there this year too. I think they'll, they should be able to coast their way into the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Next week, South Carolina has Kentucky. 
So very excited about that one. That seems like a game. I think Kentucky right now is undefeated. If I'm, yeah, but and they have and it was will be a night game at Carolina. So it'll be a night game. Williams Bryce see if Carolina can get the win in that one. And we'll see. Let's see to check on this. Yeah, Kentucky is undefeated so far. But just beating like Chattanooga, they beat one week, L.A. Monroe, and they took care of Missouri. So this will be a big test for them on the road. And we'll see if the Gamecocks can get the win. Now for a, a cross-conference matchup, you had the SEC and the Auburn Tigers playing the Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions. And this was a whiteout at Penn State and the Big Ten got the win over the SEC. Penn State winning with the final score of 28-20. They're the number six team in the country. And big win for Penn State. They, they had a lot of, like last year, due with the whole COVID thing, they had a lot of problems, I think, as far as players either leaving or just not playing. But anyway, their quarterback, Sean Clifford, with 28-32 for 280 yards and two touchdowns. No we have not seen a lot of 100-yard rushers this season or 100-yard receivers. But uh, Dotson, one of their receivers, number five, did have 10 receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown. Close game. It's been really interesting to watch Bo Nix, right? First year at beating Alabama, I think he was the SEC freshman of the year. And he, Bo Nix is the Auburn quarterback, though, in case you all do not know. And it's he's been trying to work that magic. Last year, he got beat at South Carolina. You know, South Carolina just wasn't necessarily the best team last season. And this game, he went 21 for 37 for 185 yards just weren't able to get the job done for the Auburn Tigers. It's, it's crazy, too, because you watch now and you watch UCF, and that's their old coach, Gus Malzones, out there, UCF now. But a big win for the Big Ten right there, uh, taking on the SC, an SEC West opponent and coming out with the win. Since we're talking Big Ten football, I had to go here to my Ohio State Buckeyes, who beat – we beat Tulsa. So, like, the Golden Hurricanes. Like, this is not the most exciting thing. But it wasn't, like, a blowout game. It was a 3-3 ball game at the end of the first quarter, 10 to – no, 6 to 13 at halftime. And Ohio State fans are also not very happy. And it does not help C.J. Stroud, the Q and Quinn Ewers, C.J. McCord is his last name, Kyle McCord and who are both five-star prospects who are, are kind of sitting on the bench right now for CJ. It seems like CJ, who is the Ohio State's quarterback, let me reiterate that, he's having some problems with one of his shoulders. And, like, you could tell during warm-ups when he throws, he kind of, like, lets that arm just hang there. And I don't know if it's impacting his performance, but uh, he went 15 for 25, so completing 60% of his passes for 185 yards and one touchdown and another interception. So I think he has the interception every game so far this season. But got to talk about Travion Henderson, right? He's one of the top players coming out of the country this past year. So he's a freshman this season. He went for 24 carries for 277 yards, which is, average, which is averaging 11.5 yards per carry and three touchdowns. So major day for him, like I always say. And they were still giving out helmet stickers with Lou Holtz and was it Mark May. They definitely give him one right here. He broke Archie Griffin's freshman amount of yard well he's broke his rushing record for like a, for as a freshman for the amount of rushing yards he was able to get to in a day okay Whew. had to get all that out there did notice about Archie Griffin though did not know that Archie Griffin was one of the only few players I think might as a matter of fact it might have been the only one to win two Heismans did not know that he won one in 1974 
for after rushing for nearly 1700 rushing uh, rushing for nearly 1700 yards and then 12 touchdowns and then a year later he got his second Heisman rushing for 1450 yards and was also named the Big 10 most valuable player. So I didn't even know that that had ever been done, but that was Archie Griffin and this guy Travion's beating his some of his records as a freshman. So this this kid is definitely living up to the hype. A lot of people were thinking, like, okay, he could be like a J.K. Dobbins, was it, which is another really good bet at Ohio State, who is now with the Baltimore Ravens. Unfortunately, he's out for the season. I want to say with a torn ACL, but big day for this kid. Uh, and it's like I said, it's not like he just was given this position. Master Teague is a senior, and then there was another running back. Williams that uh, he's been competing against and trying to get those starting roles from. And although we did struggle, because let, let me be very clear, Tulsa is a pretty good offense. Their quarterback, Davis Brin, 31 for 54 for 428 yards and two touchdowns. And just to be clear, this is probably a kid that wasn't even recruited by Ohio State or in the big dogs and went to Tulsa. And he put this kind of performance against all those four stars and five stars defensive linemen linebackers, especially that Ohio State secondary, although the secondary is very young, but they also did numbers against, Tulsa did numbers against Oklahoma as well. So these guys, and that was coming right off of the hurricane that it just happened there. So these guys definitely come to play. Uh, let's see what any of the receivers, Josh Johnson, got to give him major credit. Eight receptions, 149 yards and one touchdown. And uh, Ezra Naylor had five receptions for 81 yards. So Ohio State will keep rolling. They have Akron next week, so shouldn't be too bad. Hopefully not another one of these close games, because like I said, the score looks a 21-point game great, but it, it was a lot closer than that. Now to the Pac-12, where Fresno State beat UCLA. UCLA had everybody hyped about to beat in LSU, and everybody was thinking, okay, maybe this is the year the Pac-12 gets the job done. And then they come out and lose to Fresno State. So, wow, didn't expect to see that one there. Major shout-out to the Fresno State quarterback, Jake Hanner, who had who went 39 for 53. That is a lot of passes. The 53 passes for 455 yards, two touchdowns. And Ronnie Rivers, their running back, had 21 carries, 136 yards, and two more touchdowns. Now, since we're talking about the Pac-12, we got a hit on the University of Southern Cal, who fired the head coach, Clay Hilton. At first, a lot of people were thinking, because I had heard this a long time ago, that Urban Meyer, they were saying that one job that he would take is the University of Southern Cal job. Maybe that's the job that he's always wanted. Either there, and they're saying, if not Southern Cal, maybe Notre Dame. And so with this uh, becoming open, with this position becoming open, a lot of people think he might jump ship the, from the NFL and head back to college. There are even reports saying that his heart isn't into the NFL. But he turned those reports down. But I learned, don't believe people especially when they be talking to the media because they have to say these things. It's like a PR statement. But anyway, a lot of people are thinking that Eric B, Eric enemy might get the job. He is the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So it's kind of like, you know, you, you know how that goes. And I could, I could think that's a great position for him to go in to get a head coaching job at a major institution. He shows he can do that. He might be able to get back to the NFL if he does a pretty good job there. You can get the recruits at University of Southern Cal, especially if you could go into a high school, like let's say a high school junior, senior, like one of the elite quarterbacks that are all coming out of California is what it's seeming like. And be like, look, I'm the guy that helped Patrick Mahomes do what he does. So if you just come with me for four years, three years, we can get you. You're not going to tell him we could get you as, as Patrick Mahomes status, but it's like if I could help Patrick Mahomes do what he did, I'm sure me and you could work something out. We can get you pretty good. 
and you know, Southern Cal, I think a lot of people, I'm not from the West Coast, so I can't say this specifically, but I'm sure a lot of kids would love to be the starting quarterback at USC and kind of revive them to the days of how it was whenever Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush was there, because you can see how big that can get at Southern Cal. So something to watch there for, see if Eric Bien-Ami can get that uh, head coaching job at the University of Southern Cal, or if they go for some other guys I've heard that people mention that maybe they go get the Iowa State head coach who's done a pretty good job at Iowa State. And so if you could do a good job at Iowa State, you would think with all the um, the resources and stuff, the University of Southern Cal, you'd probably be able to get the job done there as well. Because that's that the Iowa State is harder to get. Y'all know this. It's harder to get kids to go to Iowa State than it would be to, hey, come to be a U, uh, USC Trojan. And the last thing we're going to talk about in college football is I have to give a major shout out to DJ Graham for the Oklahoma Sooners, the defensive back who caught that crazy one-handed catch. That was that was that was something serious right there. When I saw that, I was like, that might be the catch of the year. And it's coming from a DB who are notoriously known for not being able to catch. So major major shout out to him. As we're talking about Oklahoma, we'll go to the Oklahoma product, the Heisman Trophy winner and uh, the former Heisman Trophy winner, and Kyla Murray, who led the Cardinals to a win over the Minnesota Vikings. The final score was 34-33. Kyla Murray went 29 for 36, for 400 yards, three touchdowns, and did have those two interceptions. It was nice to see A.J. Green back out there, too, with the Cardinals. He's been playing, but I finally got to see him make some, some catches, and it was on, like, you know, it was just it was just something that it was great to see him and then obviously we saw DeAndre Hopkins and I keep saying this uh, Christian Kirk is really emerging as a receiver for them and Rondell Moore has seven catches 100 he's number four for the Cardinals seven catches 114 yards and one touchdown one thing that stands out when you watch Kyler Murray play is it's like kind of like backyard football and he's just able to create so much distance between him and the rest and whoever's rushing him and so when it comes to Kyler, you can really never get to him. And I know that's frustrating for defensive coordinators, defensive linemen. And like if, if a secondary member kind of comes at him, it's like there's a good chance he's going to make you miss and just kind of get away. You don't really – occasionally you'll see him get sacked, but a lot of times he's able to kind of throw himself out of bounds or whatever have you. But I will say the Vikings came to play in this game. And at points I thought they should have won it. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins went 22 for 32 for 244 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Dalvin Cook did what he always does, and that's delivered. Had 22 carries for 131 yards. And I even got to see Adam Thielen. Seemed like Adam had a big portion of this game. He only had 39 yards, but he did have six catches. So big win for the Kyler Murray and the Cardinals as they continue to go through. It's, it's also interesting to see J.J. Watt. Like that team is just stacked with so many big names. Chandler Jones, um, thinking of the guys from Clemson's name, um, Isaiah Simmons and just a, a Buda Baker and just a lot of guys on that team in that tough NFC West. We're going to keep it moving here. Kind of wanted to go ahead and let's see how we want to do this order for this. Kind of wanted to talk about that Ravens game too. The Ravens played Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. And Lamar got his win against Patrick Mahomes. I thought Patrick and those boys were about to seal the deal. I really did, especially when they had 14 points in the third quarter. But Lamar and those guys just stuck around. The fourth quarter scored 12 points uh, to win the game. And at the how do you love it? You love it whenever Harbaugh asks Lamar Jackson. I don't know why I forgot that. He has got a lot going through mind. He asked Lamar Jackson. He's like, you want to go for it at the end of the game? Lamar's like, for sure. They end up getting it. And it's great. It's great to watch, too, that rushing attack for the Baltimore Ravens. It's like, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And they're still going to get you. And not to mention, like, this top 
three running backs have all been hurt and they just they're signing other guys and they're just able to get the job done major shout out to Tyson Williams from South went to USC then ended up going University of South Carolina depending on where you're listening to this USC that's what I usually reference it when I say it and end up going to BYU and now it's playing with the Ravens a big game for him Lamar went 18 for 26 for 239 yards and one touchdown through the air and also had a hundred yard rushing game with 16 carries for 107 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I know we all saw him do that kind of flip into the end zone. And I know a lot of the people who are watching the games like Lamar, what are you doing? Like, no, just get in the end zone, but Lamar is going to do what he's going to do. And that's a big win for that organization. Also great to watch um, Ray Lewis pregame kind of come out and do, you know, his, the, the antic that he used to do before games when he was playing. You could tell there was so much energy in that building. So Patrick Mahomes didn't have a bad game, went 24 for 31 for 343 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. But that interception was very costly because they were kind of in route to go ahead and just finish the game off. Uh, I thought they scored one more time after that. It would have pretty pretty much put a sock into it. But he kind of just threw it trying to make something happen. And, you know, that expression you hear a lot, just live to fight another day. Sometimes instead of trying to make something happen, always – and he throws the interception there and kind of puts the Ravens back into the game. Travis Kells had another big day, seven receptions, 109 yards and a touchdown. And so I'm, I'm sure the Chiefs will regroup, but big win for the Ravens. And like I said, now Lamar Jackson has a win against Patrick Mahomes, which he did not have previous to this game. Have to mention, and then we'll get back to some more uh, NFL stuff, but last week's Monday night game was great. You had was that was the Ravens. Now we just talked about the Ravens win. Now we're gonna talk about when they lost last week on Monday Night Football to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I I'm, I'm trying to tell everybody to watch the Peyton Manning on ESPN two. Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are kind of do their own. I'm not gonna call it commentating, but their own like they're just watching and they want to seem like just two brothers watching the game. They, these two brothers just happen both have Super Bowl wins and will both be Hall of Famer first ballots. Well, Peyton already is, but Eli is coming next. But anyway, it's a great thing to watch. And they're going to have it going on. And they have – let me finish this talk. Russell Wilson came on last week for the fourth quarter. And he was, like, calling out stuff was about to happen. They also had Ray Lewis on, and they just have different guests kind of come through. Travis Kels came through last week. And this week, Pat McAfee is coming on for the game. This is going to be Aaron Rodgers in the Packers versus the Detroit Lions. So make sure y'all go over, well, wow, I'm just sincerely sitting there thinking about this by the time you're listening to this, unless you listen to it as soon as this drops. And if you do, I appreciate that. Make sure you share that, you share this podcast with a friend, but for the majority of people, it would already have happened. But for this week game, Pat McAfee's coming on and Pat is definitely a, um, a personality in himself. So definitely looking forward to them doing as many of these Monday night games as possible. And you really, it's kind of like watching ESPN detail wherever you get to hear like players break down why a guy is doing this and not just what is happening, but why it is happening. So that is definitely something to watch. But now back to the NFL games that actually happened um, in this week, the Cowboys got the win, but now they're one and one beating the Chargers. Final score 20 to 17. Dak Prescott 23 for 27, 237 yards, um, no touchdowns in the air and the interception. Uh, Tony Pollard, 13 carries, 109 yards, and one touchdown. So he actually had more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott there. And as far as receivers, uh, C.D. Lamb led the group with eight receptions for 81 yards. So, you know, Cowboy Nation is upset, and generally how it goes with Cowboy Nation. I mean, Cowboy Nation is happy. 
because Cowboy Nation is happy. And generally, whenever Cowboy Nation is happy, the rest of the NFL teams are upset because everybody loves to see the struggling Cowboys. Also wanted to talk about the Chicago Bears for many different reasons. They were able to get the win over Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Bears were able to get the win with the final score of 20 to 17. Andy Dalton got hurt. A lot of people didn't know what was going on there. And, and that that led, you know, our guy, Justin Fields, to be able to get in. And they, and they ended up with the win on the day. Let me give you all these stats. You got uh, Justin Fields went six for 13 for 60 yards and interception. I thought he was in the red zone a lot. I thought he was going to be able to push it in, but he was not able to do so. But like I said, it doesn't matter. The Bears get the win. A lot of people wonder what that injury was. And from Ian Rappaport, they said that Andy Dalton had an MRI and the, but they have confirmed that it was a bone bruise in his knee. So there's no determination about will he be ready to go for this week. I think if he can play, he will. You saw Justin in the game. And it's like at some point, now the receivers did drop a couple passes, but you also could tell the game is still a little fast for him. And that's okay. Like he's a rookie. Not all rookies, as a matter of fact, you a lot of times you see as far as long-term longevity in the NFL, the guys that are able to come and sit for a little while actually do a pretty good job as compared to guys who get thrown in. Because we see the stars like Peyton Manning who gets thrown in right away and he just ends up making them. There's a lot of other rookie quarterbacks that get thrown in the fire right away. And a couple years later, you're like, what happened to them? And you hear a lot of guys, I even remember or not, was that or Jay Cutler was even talking about it. he's like no 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 if guys can sit and learn how the starter quarterback is supposed to be in the NFL watch him watch film watch him go to meetings watch him uh talk to the media that's definitely the best thing for him but nonetheless big win for the Bears and just just for the fans to see it's like okay Justin Fields the angle wreck this thing like he can get it going and so we'll see the status of Andy Dalton moving forward but I will say Andy Dalton was playing well I will say Andy Dalton was playing well before he got hurt. I was like, okay, Andy. Like, he looks like an NFL quarterback, as you as expecting. And this was against his former team, being the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we all remember him playing there for a little while. There, They just couldn't get over the top, and I think that's why they kind of let him go. Got to talk about the home team Panthers, who were able to pull off the win with the final score of 26-7 to over Jameis Winston and the Saints. I tell you what, that Panthers defense was all over Jameis Winston. It seemed like every single time he came off like a play-action fake, they were like throwing him down. And Jameis is a tall guy and a big guy, but he's kind of skinny too. So <laughs> it just got kind of got to see him get thrown all over the field a little bit there. But how about uh, Sam Darnold is really coming along for the Panthers. Now, granted, he has a pretty good receiving core, but he's definitely coming along there, going 26 for 38 for 305 yards and two touchdowns. I always, anytime I talk about the Panthers, I'm always going to talk about Christian McCaffrey because, you know, he does it both ways, receiving and rushing. On the ground, he had 24 carries for 72 yards and one touchdown. In the air, he had five receptions for 65 yards. DJ Moore was the high receptions man with eight receptions for 79 yards and one touchdown. And uh, like I said, just a good to see the Panthers continue to push forward. Really interested to see what happens when Shai Smith gets back. How does he fit in the rotation necessarily? But big win for the Panthers. So the Panthers are now 2-0. and Let's see, next week they will face the Texans on, on Thursday night football. Wow, so they have a short week before they go prepare, prepare for 
it's, it's supposed to be Tyrod, but I think Tyrod has an injury. And as a matter of fact, reports are saying, even if he's injured, they're not playing Deshaun Watson. But with Tua Tonga-Valoa injuring his ribs, a lot of, and it's been noted that the owner for the Dolphins really, really wants Deshaun. Maybe they pull the plug. Maybe they go ahead and get Deshaun in there. It's a big risk considering the FBI is kind of, you know, all over Deshaun Watson and company right now. But uh, hopefully they'll get to the bottom of that. And so if he is indeed innocent, they can get back to playing. Not the main emphasis. Got to make sure he's innocent. But we'll see what happens there. Going to go to the New York Jets, who lost to the New England Patriots. So you had two rookies going back at, going back and forth. You had Mac Jones, who went 22 for 30 for 186 yards. Let's see if any high receptions person. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, not really. Versus uh, <laughs> Zach Wilson, who went 19 for 33 for 210 yards, no touchdowns and four interceptions. Like I said, do not be alarmed by the four interceptions. That does sound like a lot, but he is just a rookie. And by him going to the Jets, we all knew it was going to be a progression thing. I told you, I think Peyton Manning said he threw 19 interceptions his first year. So he told, basically told Trevor Lawrence and those guys, do not be alarmed. This is just part of the learning curve. These interceptions do not seem so great right now, but in the future, they will definitely help you all out like long-term as far as knowing what throws you can or cannot make. Last thing we're going to talk about in the NFL is going to be the Browns who got the win over the Texans with the final score of 31 to 21. Baker Mayfield went down. I was like, oh God. And then Jarvis Landry went down too. And now I'm thinking, my goodness, no Odell Beckham, no Jarvis Landry. I get it. They have a great uh, running back room with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but my, like those two receivers, like that would hurt any team. I don't care how good you are. And uh, we're really hoping that Odell gets back out there soon. Cause I, I've even started noticing it kind of a little while ago. A lot of his highlights you see nowadays are uh, like, you know, like the preseason highlights just simply because he hasn't been able to play as much because he's been injured. So hopefully Odell can get back out here rather sooner than later. And uh, but the Browns roll, the Browns roll and they're now one and one. It's crazy. Imagine telling like any defensive line coach before the season, you'll have Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney on your defensive line like my goodness I bet that is a headache for that offensive coordinator it's like we can get throughout if we can get through the Browns without our quarterback being hurt we'll we'll take it because that's a strong defense right there but uh oh let me give you this high school roundup too for the high school not we'll say the high school segment did want to mention that Chapin Eagles did beat the uh, Brooklyn Casey Bearcats the final score 41-21 two really good quarterbacks the Chapin quarterbacks a little bit younger but uh they're playing in this matchup so definitely kind of want to highlight that matchup there I think Brooklyn Casey once they get it going like I like I said it before but I went to that playoff game last season and a lot of those guys were young guys they're like either quarterbacks or their receivers and so I'm thinking, okay, that, that's probably going to be a team to watch for as the season goes along. Also wanted to mention that AC Floor beat Camden. The final score was like 3 nothing. I was like, oh, my gosh, like we haven't seen that kind of football in forever. And we know Camden has a historically has a good program. And AC Floor has just been a program as of late, won the state championship last year, and just, just seems like they've, they've become like the dominant power in Richland won. But yeah, it was a three nothing score. I had not, when I saw that, I almost had to look again, like does this, does three nothing scores even happen anymore? It seems like growing up, you saw a little bit more of those, but not anymore. But yeah, so another a big win for AC4 as they stay undefeated and we will see what happens next. But that is all I have for you all this week on Matt Sports House. 
hopefully I'll get some of my guys to be back on next week. It's just been kind of a busy week, guys, you know, doing a lot of things right now. So uh, thanks for listening. Make sure you uh, share with a friend. And that's it. That's all we have for today. Peace. I'm only getting in where I fit in. It's a two-seater, you cannot sit in. I got a door in the rear end. I got a car when I forward a friend. Say I won't do it and did it again. I got some dogs who want me to win. Went to the lot and bought a new Benz. I hit the gas, I'm going with the wind.